Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. It's very easy to go from a model daughter to a traitor to your own family. Especially if you're offered crazy money for it. Hi, my name is Lizzie, and I became incredibly rich in the blink of an eye. My story began when I was six years old. I remember waking up in the middle of the night because of a noise. It came out of the room and I saw that the lights on the first floor were on. As I got closer to the stairs, I noticed Dad. He held the flashlight in one hand and opened the basement door with the other. Finally, the lock gave way. Dad went inside and closed the door. I wondered what he was doing there at night. I went down the stairs, and she had already gone to the door and was about to grab the handle to turn it. But at that very moment, the door creaked open, and Dad appeared in front of me. He asked irritably, Liz, what are you doing here? I wonder where you went. Oh, it's a big secret. Shh. Then he took me in his arms. Now it's time for bed. He carried me to my bedroom. I looked at the secret room and wondered what he was hiding there. Twelve years had passed since then, and I'd forgotten all about the secret room in the basement. We lived like a normal family. We didn't eat caviar for breakfast, but we didn't eat leftovers either. I, like all high school students who were about to graduate, thought about going to university. That wasn't the case with my twin brother. Tommy had already failed all his exams and might not even dream of getting in. I woke up that day and immediately went down to the kitchen. There, my parents and my brother were already waiting for me and a birthday cake with 18 candles. Yes, it was my and Tommy's birthday. We blew out the candles together. Dad raised his glass and then turned to Tommy. You're 18 now, son. So today, I'm going to tell you our family secret. That's when I couldn't stand it and intervened. What about me? I want to know what you keep in that basement too. Dad's face changed. Unfortunately, no, baby. This secret is passed from father to son. My father told it to me, and his father told it to him, and my father's father told it to his father, and my father's father's father. I got it. I interrupted him. Everyone looked at me with surprise. My father took my hand and said sympathetically, It was the will of my ancestors. Then he and his brother left. The ancestors willed it? What's that supposed to mean anyway? My mother, seeing the anger and indignation on my face said, I was angry at first too, but then realized that family harmony was more important to me and I put it out of my mind. But I wanna know, so unfair. I grabbed my backpack and went out for a walk. On my way to the park, I saw a store that sold paint. That's when I had a genius idea. I knew that daddy and Tommy were going down to the basement that night. So I hid behind the wall late that night, waiting for them. Soon I heard their cautious footsteps. Dad came to the door and started typing in the password, poking the buttons. Yes, he had replaced the regular lock with a keypad a few years ago. The door beeped softly and opened. Tommy and Dad disappeared into the basement. The door closed behind them. I went to the code lock. 
I took a small flashlight out of my pocket and it shined on the panel. It was no ordinary flashlight, but an ultraviolet one. It was the only way to see the colorless fluorescent paint with which I had pre-treated the buttons of the code lock. In the beam of the flashlight, I saw the numbers where my father had pressed no longer had paint on them. By simple calculation, I realized that the password was the date of the wedding with my mother. It was both cute and naive. I entered the password and voila, the door opened. I stepped inside, walking slowly down the stairs. Downstairs, the voices of my father and brother rang out. I hurried to hide behind the pile of bags. Dad turned on the presentation and started showing slide after slide. The slide showed a picture of a knight with his body covering a king from an arrow. Dad said loudly, And so, after saving King Richard from the arrow, the brave knight was awarded the nickname Brave. Tommy wondered, Wait, but our last name is Brave. So he's... Exactly. That's our ancestor, Sir Charles Brave. Dad walked over to some ancient chest and opened the lid. Then with a deft movement, he drew from it a sword and raised it above his head like a he-man. This beautiful sword was made of pure gold. It literally sparkled, illuminating the whole room. And now, according to his covenant, I give you this sword to keep. And then? Then you will give it to your son when he turns 18. Tommy carefully took the sword and gently stroked the blade. After admiring it, his brother put it in the chest. Dad and Tommy headed for the exit. After waiting a few more minutes, I left the basement too. Now that I know the secret, I could sleep soundly. The next day, when I barely opened my eyes, I saw Tommy in my room. He said with a sneer, You know what I found out yesterday? That you're using your brain at 2%? Laugh it up, laugh it up, but you can't learn the family secret. It's for men only. I threw a pillow at him. Get out of my room! His mockery was just the beginning. He'd been telling me all day about this super secret that I didn't deserve to know. I was sick of it, so I decided to punish my brother. At night, I went down to the basement. I opened the drawer, wrapped the sword in a towel, and took it to my room. I thought I'd hide it for a few days and see how Tommy reacts. I looked at the sword. It was gorgeous. I wonder how much something like that could cost. I tried to find something similar on the internet, but to no avail. Before I knew it, I was asleep with a sword in my arms. In the morning, I pretended to be sick and stayed in my room. After waiting for everyone to leave, I wrapped the sword again and went to the nearest pawn shop. Behind the counter stood an elderly man, the owner of the pawn shop. What do you want? He asked. I unfolded the towel, showing him the relic. How much could it be worth? T -t 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 like this? The man began to stammer. He pulled himself together and answered. It costs $15,000. I can buy it right now. It's strange, but on the internet, I saw the price of $30 million. I said that amount at random, but the man bit his lip. I'm willing to give you $20 million. I almost fainted when I heard that. I'd have enough to pay my way through college. My parents would buy me a bigger house and car. And I'll buy Tommy a soccer ball. He's been wanting one for a long time. I was dreaming so much. I didn't notice the pawn shop owner came back with a full bag of money and some papers. He pointed his finger at the contract and said, 
Sign here. Keep in mind that the deal is not retroactive. Eh? You can't get the sword back. I honestly didn't know what I was doing. The money turned my head. As if in a dream, I signed right across from the pawn owner's signature. And then I watched mesmerized as the machine counted my millions. Trrr. One million one hundred thousand. Trrr. One million two hundred thousand. I don't even remember how I got home with the money. It's as if I wasn't doing it at all, but someone was controlling me. I only woke up in front of the bathroom mirror. I stared at my reflection for a long time. Tears crawled down my cheeks. What had I done? Daddy and Tommy are gonna kill me. I have to get the sword back somehow. Then my cell phone rang. Elizabeth Brave? It's the admissions office from the university. I'm, I'm, I'm listening. If you want to study with us, you need to make a down payment of $30,000 within three days. I answered in an uncertain voice. I will transfer the whole amount today. I hung up the phone and immediately dove under the bed where I hid the money. I took out my bag and started counting out the necessary amount. Suddenly, the door creaked open. I turned around and saw the frozen figure of my brother. Where'd you get so much money? He asked. I told you to knock. Tommy stood still for a few seconds. Then he cried out sharply, Oh no! Tommy ran downstairs to the basement. I raked the money into my backpack without counting and ran out of the house. I ran until I saw the bank door. When I got inside, I ran up to the teller and emptied everything out of my backpack. I want to transfer the entire amount to the university account. I asked the teller to hurry up. But as luck would have it, I was caught by the slowest employee. As soon as the transaction was successfully completed, a car came to a halt under the window. My father burst into the bank. He jabbed his finger at me and shouted, Elizabeth Brave, get in the car immediately. I obeyed his order. I obediently got in the car. There was Tommy sitting there, his eyes blank. Tommy had failed my father, and I had failed the whole family. I thought my father would scold me on the way home, but the ride was completely silent, which made it all the more frightening. We stopped at the house. When I went inside, I saw my mother. There was a bag of money on the table in front of her. How could you? She whispered, bursting into tears. Dad and Tommy were asking me the same thing. They told me the story of the brave knight and how that sword had been guarded by generations of braves. I was scolded and I knew I was wrong. I roared at the impossibility of making it right. Suddenly, a loud knock on the door interrupted my father's monologue about the family heirloom. Dad went to the door and opened it. Standing on the doorstep was the very owner of the pawn shop. Behind him were two policemen. Suddenly, the man drew the sword he was hiding behind his back, pointed at me and shouted, You cheat! She was the one who stole from me! Arrest her! My whole family went into a stupor, waiting for the situation to develop. I shouted back, I didn't cheat! It was an honest transaction! Fair, you sold me a fake! Look at the sword! Papa snatched the sword from the man's hands. The sword was no longer golden and gleaming. It was the dark copper color. The man said, This sword is fake, covered in gold. It can't be. My father gave it to me. Daddy exclaimed. 
I made inquiries. It was your father who sold it. Dad fell to his knees, dropping the sword from his hands. All my life I've kept a fake, he whispered. I want my money back or I'll put everybody in jail. One of the policemen came toward me. He was holding handcuffs in his hands, getting ready to fasten them on me. I shouted, Stop! He examined the goods and signed the contract, which is not retroactive. I handed the sheet to the policeman. He read the contract carefully, then showed it to the man and asked, Sir, is this your signature at the bottom? Yes, but it doesn't change anything. I ask you to leave the property, sir. You're breaking the law. What? No, you don't understand. The man shouted. He wanted to grab the bag, but the police officers immediately detained him. They handcuffed him and escorted him out of our house. One of the police officers said to my daddy one last time, Sir, you have to register the income and pay the tax. Yes, yes, of course, said my distraught father. Dad sat down on the couch and stared at the money on the table. Clutching his head, he tried to rethink his whole life. There was a dead silence in the room. I think I got into university, I said, smiling awkwardly. Everyone looked at me in surprise. That's the story. By the way, in a couple of days, Dad recovered from his shock and soon will move to a new house. I also convinced my father to go with my mother to the islands. He could use a break. Does your family have any secrets? Write in the comments if you've managed to find out any family secrets. Rate your likes and subscribe to the channel. I've never felt like anyone truly understood me. Like the world was racing beside me and I was timidly watching it go by, unsure of how I fit in. My friends joke about my shy, beautiful smile that says nothing and my deep brown eyes that peer out behind my glasses. My icy blonde hair attracted a lot of attention, but I always froze when guys tried to flirt. I preferred to sit in the background while my best friend Mel stole the attention. Mel and I have always been best friends and roommates. She's loud, flirty, and impulsive. I'm quieter, methodical, and artistic. Mel was always dating someone new. I'd watch the boys flock around us and swoon at her boldness. Other girls were jealous of her, but I didn't mind. I only had eyes for one boy. Our roommate Clara's twin brother, Darren. He's effortlessly cool, smart, and we always talk for hours. Girls swoon when his shaggy chestnut hair falls softly in front of his gray eyes. New pair of glasses, nerd? The shy girls got style. He'd tease me and take them off me. Hey, you know I'm practically blind without them. I'd rip them back, blushing but secretly loving the attention. I've been waiting for Darren to ask me on a date for years, and everybody knows it. One night, we were all hanging out at a friend's pool party. It was getting late, and the stars peppered the sky. Let's play spin the bottle! Clara jumped up and down. The bottle landed on me. Angela has to kiss Darren. Mel and everyone laughed. Clara jumped in. He knows she'd never do it. My face turned red, and I could feel Darren staring at me. Fine, then I'll do it, Mel said. She grabbed his shirt and kissed him. My heart collapsed into my stomach. Time slowed down and the air in my lungs flooded out of me. Mel always took the guys that I wanted. Angela's her classic shy girl. Being impulsive isn't her style. Clara grabbed the bottle to spin it. Wanna bet? Anger flooded my body as I grabbed the guy next to me and kissed him without hesitation. 
Everyone was shocked, including me. They were right. I'd never normally do something like that. But something inside me was starting to boil. I pushed through the crowd, trying to leave when Mel cornered me. Don't be mad, okay? I'm going to ask Darren on a date. A shiver ran down my spine and tears welled at my eyes. I nodded and backed away. Okay, whatever. I turned to run but stumbled and went flying into the pool, splashing the rest of the party as I went in. I came up gasping for air. My glasses had fallen off and I couldn't see a thing. Two strong hands pulled me out of the water. You're okay, I got you. Someone said as they put my glasses back on my face. A boy with beautiful brown eyes and black hair stared down at me. We sat in the back of his sports car as he wrapped a towel around my shoulders. I'm Andrew. I'm Angela, I said, through chattering teeth. I know, he said. You kissed me earlier. That was you? Sorry, that wasn't like me. I don't know what happened. Don't worry, shy girl, he said, laughing. I liked it. Should we go for a drive? We sped off together and I felt my heartache fall away. He picked me up every night at the same time to take me somewhere new. Each date more extravagant than the last and he always brought a little gift. He made me feel like I was the only girl in the room. He'd do this thing where he'd take off my glasses and look so deeply into my eyes that it made me blush. It was nice to feel seen like that. My heart still hurt from Darren, but Andrew was my medicine. Andrew was all I could talk about after that. When are we going to meet your new boyfriend? Clara said. When I asked Andrew though, he became cold. Sure, that'd be cool sometime. Here, I got you these contacts. They're more modern than wearing glasses. I don't really like contacts. I put them on. My face without glasses was so new to me. You're beautiful. In a way that I've never seen before. It's totally unique. He twirled me around and then brushed the hair off my face and kissed me. You're my forever. Will you be my girlfriend? He said, quickly. I had never been anyone's girlfriend before. With Andrew, I was this confident, cool girl who could say or do anything. This was totally new and I felt like I was walking in a cloud. I was ecstatic. My first boyfriend. I couldn't wait to tell my friends everything that just happened. It was a whirlwind of emotion. But you just met him, Angela. Don't you think that's all happened really fast? Mel shook her head. The rest of my friends nodded. We haven't even met him yet. He picks you up but never comes into the loft. Clara said. I was annoyed that they weren't as excited as I was. They're just jealous of you and how happy we are. Andrew said when I told him what happened. Maybe you should stop listening to their opinions because they clearly don't understand you. It's better if you come live with me for a bit. I was upset with my friends and didn't feel like I could trust them. I was so happy, and why couldn't they see that? So, I left our loft with a bunch of old suitcases full of my things and went to Andrew's. It was massive and perfectly clean. You can't walk in here with your shoes on. Ever. Look at the mud you're dragging in, he said, his tone suddenly cold. These bags are ugly. Oh, you won't be needing this one. He took the bag from my hand and threw it in the garbage bin. The next day, he picked up my glasses and snapped them in half. I got you contacts. You won't need these. They're also all really ugly. I'll be out for the day. I need you to stay here and wait for a package. He left without kissing me goodbye. I waited for hours. The package never came. I had never seen Andrew act like this. I decided I needed some fresh air, so I went to the bathroom to change my contacts. But they were all gone. That's strange. I would have to leave the old contacts in. 
I called his phone as I ran around the apartment looking for my glasses. Hey, it's Andrew. Leave a message. Then in the corner of his office, something caught my eye. I let out a cry. Ah! There they were in the garbage bin. All of my many pairs of glasses, my favorite accessories, broken. The glass shattered to bits. I could feel the panic rising. I called his phone again. Voicemail. I stumbled to the front door, but it was locked. I looked for the keys, but they were gone. Panic took over. Did he do this on purpose? I ran to the balcony. It was bolted shut with a strange lock. My whole body started to shake. Andrew would never do that to me. We were in love. He said he loved me. The bathroom had a small window that led onto a fire escape stairway. I struggled but squeezed myself through and climbed out. I needed to find my friends. So much confusion was clouding my mind. People and streets were like a blur as I ran. I rounded the corner to our loft and stopped dead in my tracks. Andrew's sports car was parked outside. I jumped into the bushes across the street so he wouldn't see me. He held his hand out to a girl walking out of the building. It was Mel. Her loud, flirtatious laugh filled the streets. James, how do you always make me laugh like this? Who was James? I hissed to myself. Then Andrew pulled Mel in and kissed her hard. Mel, you're beautiful. In a way that I've never seen before. It's so unique. He said as he twirled her around. But he always does that to me. I choked on the words, still trying to whisper. My head was spinning. What was happening? How did Mel know Andrew? Didn't she know that was my boyfriend? They sped off in his car. I ran off to our loft. Big wet tears streamed down my cheeks as I got inside. I finally felt safe, but also scared, confused, and hurt. I fell onto my old bed, letting out a loud cry as the hurt consumed me. But this wasn't the Andrew I knew. And why did Mel call him James? A knock on my door startled me. Angela? Hey, whoa, what's with the tears? I looked up to see Darren standing over me. His soft smile made me melt. I unloaded everything that had happened. Being locked into the apartment. Seeing Andrew kiss Mel. My broken glasses. He broke your glasses? Darren said, putting his arm around me. I wear contacts now. I managed through the tears. But why? You've always loved your glasses. They're your thing. He chuckled. Andrew didn't like them. He said I looked better without them. I said... This made me cry harder. What was I thinking? He's such a jerk. Carla and Mel burst in, looking concerned. What are you doing here? I said to Mel, cold and angry. Who was that boy you were kissing outside? James? Oh, it was our second date. He's so sweet you wouldn't believe it. His name isn't James, Mel. That's Andrew, my boyfriend. Or was my boyfriend. They wrapped their arms around me and didn't let go. What are you going to do, Angela? Darren said. I thought I was in love, but that wasn't love. He built up my confidence, just to tear it down again. He bought me all these amazing things, just to make me feel like I was nothing without him, to make me forget who I was before him. The four of us walked up to his apartment. His sports car was parked outside. I banged on the door, loud and heavily. The door swung open. Andrew was red-faced and fuming. What do you think you're doing? You can't leave unless I say so. I can do whatever I want, Andrew. Or should I say, James? Which one is it exactly? Mel came up and stood beside me so he could see us clearly. Did you think we wouldn't find out? You don't know what you're talking about. 
I thought I could trust you, but you were the only one who could see me. I had to forget parts of myself to suit your life. You preyed on me because I was lost. I feel sorry for you, Andrew. You play a character, but you're empty inside. You're the one who doesn't know yourself. As the four of us walked back, I turned to Mel and hugged her. Boys should never be something to turn us against each other, I said. I need you to know, though, I was really hurt when he asked Aaron on a date. I didn't know how to say it back then, but I felt really betrayed. Angela, I'm so sorry. It was a mistake. We didn't go on a date. Mel and I are just friends, Darren said, playfully pushing Mel's shoulder. Relief flooded through me. Besides, everyone knows I've always liked you, Angela. He took my face in his hands and brushed the hair out of my eyes. Let's get you some new glasses. Follow us on Instagram. Link in bio. Hi, everybody. My name is Janine. I want to tell you about a bad habit of mine that made my life go upside down. Some people smoke, drink, and wash their hands every two minutes. And then there's me, who's pulling out the hair on my head. And the main thing is, why? My answer will surprise you. In the meantime, give me a nickname, write any smiley face in the comments. Here, meet me. I'm five years old here. I'm sitting there all so pretty. I just sat down to a cookie that my mom wouldn't let me eat. And I'm sitting there nervous, like what's going to happen when she finds out? And she's bound to find out that it was me who ate it because that's when I got this nasty thing about me. I became a fucking walking lie detector. Janine, did you eat the cookies? No. And immediately my nerve-shaking hands reached for the hair on my head and started tearing and ripping it. I was in terrible pain, but at that moment it felt like my hands weren't listening to me. It was as if they belonged to another person and were just tearing apart my hair. This was a clear signal that I was lying. I was simply not allowed to lie. When it happened again and again, I just decided I wasn't going to lie anymore. I would always tell the truth. At least that way I would keep my hair intact. But you know, in some ways I was lucky. Despite the harsh treatment of my hair, it grew out amazingly beautiful, shiny, perfectly flat, and thick. My mother herself was amazed. Such beauty I grew, and I delighted the eyes of all the people around me. But if you think that the troubles are over, then you're deeply mistaken, because my troubles, in fact, have just begun. During my school years, I had time to change about 10 schools. That is, sometimes I changed two to three schools per year. Do you know why? Because no one wanted to be friends with someone who always tells the truth. I remember once in class, the kids were not prepared for the test. They said that if we say that we were not warned, there would be no test, and the teacher would just cancel it. But I couldn't lie, remember? I warned the guys that it could end badly. Nothing will happen. We'll just pretend she didn't report it, and that's it. I looked at my hands, which were beginning to feel tingly with nerves. I was faced with the choice of lying or telling the truth, so I decided that I would just keep quiet. That way, I wouldn't lie. The teacher hesitated to say that she had not warned us and called out my name. Janine, will you please stand up and tell me if I really didn't tell you to prepare for this test? I stood up from my seat. All my classmates were looking at me. I was nervous. I wanted to lie. Not to be an outcast. Not to be called a rat by the guys. Not to be left out. And then my hand, already out of habit, grabbed one of the strands discreetly and started pulling at it. 
It hurt so much that I cried, and then I blurted out. The guys weren't prepared for the test. They offered to say that you didn't say anything so they wouldn't have to write it. But personally, I'm ready for it. I opened my eyes and saw massive disdain. Only someone who's been through something like this can imagine how nightmarish it feels on your body. I opted for my hair, but from then on, I was alone. More alone than wolves in the woods. From the homesickness and the constant taunts and hatred from my classmates, I again asked my mother to transfer me to another school. Since I had no friends, I did well in school, even though I frequently changed them. I never told anyone about my habit. But then, the last school year came, and my mother asked me to finish my studies at one school, and not to jump from place to place, because my parents were sick of changing homes, cities, and jobs with me. I saw that they were tired, like I was, so I decided that even if no one communicates with me, I will finish my studies at this new school. So when I transferred, the class welcomed me quite cordially. I was immediately approached by a beautiful girl. She was rich, and it was noticeable. She was attracted to my hair and immediately asked what kind of shampoo I wash it with. So we started talking. After a couple of minutes, someone with very blue eyes and an incredibly beautiful face walked into the classroom. God, he was beautiful. I immediately fell in love with him. My new classmate named Scarlett called him. Hey, Tony, your place is at the back. Because of you, I can't see anything in front of me. Stop sitting there. It's not my fault you're the shortest in the family. And you're the dumbest. Tony laughed. I asked Scarlett who he was, and she said he was her twin brother, but they were so different. Scarlett continued to ask questions about my hair and then touched it with her hand. It made me feel uncomfortable. Don't touch it. Why? I don't like it. What, you can't even touch it? Or is it something else? I didn't want to tell the truth, but I couldn't lie either. While I was standing there thinking of options, Tony came up. He kicked his sister into her place and told her to get away from me, because she still had a long way to go before she got my hair. Then he smiled at me, and I almost choked. The butterflies in my stomach immediately fluttered. The next class was chemistry. While I found the classroom, I was a little late, and the teacher told me to sit next to Tony since he was in my class. In my class? Wow, I was going to be his chemistry date. How cool is that? I blushed blindly, sat down next to him, and we got down to our assignments. Tony took care of all the dirty work, but since we were both good at chemistry, we had a great experiment. We noticed how pissed off his sister was, but we didn't care, and we flirted openly and I loved it. A few days later, Tony invited me to his birthday party, and I happily agreed. But I didn't know what to get him, although I wanted to make a special gift. Maybe it wasn't the best idea, but I went to Scarlet for advice. She promised to help, but she said she'd tell me everything at her party that weekend, which I had to go to. The party was at her house, so I was hoping I'd see Tony there and just get out of there. But Tony wasn't there. He was away on business with his parents. Scarlett's party was fun at first. Music, ice cream, gossiping about school and teachers. And then Scarlett started talking about my hair again. She said that if I told my secret of why it was so beautiful, she would tell me what Tony wanted most for his birthday, something that even his parents didn't know. 
This intrigued me greatly, but I couldn't tell her that my hair had gotten that way after going through an atomic war with me. Then Scarlet poured everyone champagne, and I got drunk very quickly, relaxed a little, and the witch immediately started asking questions about my hair. I lied and said it was just genetic, but the champagne glass fell out of my hand and I grabbed my own hair and started pulling it out in shreds. I screamed in pain, and the girls were all scared, my hair all over Scarlet's room. I ran outside. A car was pulling up with Tony and his parents, and I ran even faster out of shame. I didn't want him to see me like this, half bald. I texted Scarlet and asked her not to tell anyone, but the bitch had videotaped me and circulated it to the class. I didn't show up to school for days. I was ashamed and sick of myself. I also missed Tony's birthday party. I couldn't go there looking like that. Then I calmed down, put my hat on, and remembered my promise to my mom that I would finish the year. So I decided to just walk around in a hat and not talk to anyone. But as soon as I got to school, I walked into chemistry class and Tony, my classmate, was waiting for me. I didn't want to talk to him, but Tony said it was okay. He took my hand and wiped the tears from my face and told me that I was still very pretty and he had some issues, too. Scarlet came up to us and called me crazy and ripped my hat off, but Tony wouldn't let her. He told his sister not to come near me. Scarlet's boyfriend stood up for her and Tony just punched him, then grabbed my hand and we ran out of class. Then he drove me away from school, opened the trunk of the door, and I saw dozens of door handles torn off. What is that? Every time, I check the locks ten times before I go out. It causes frequent breakdowns. That's how crazy I am. You're not the only one. Everyone has something. But my hair. I tear my hair out when I lie. And our teacher, Mr. Friend, farts when he sees the principal. What do you think is better? That was hilarious. I laughed, and Tony said I had a great laugh and asked me to smile more often. And then he offered to do something for tomorrow's chemistry class. He told me the plan. I thought it was cruel at first, but this was revenge for Scarlet, and I had to do something about it. That morning, we went into the classroom and messed up the liquid. Scarlet came up to us and took our test tubes away. She said she'd use them. Tony knew she'd do it because she'd failed a couple of past classes and therefore copied our assignment. When our teacher approached her, Scarlet added one last liquid and poof, she went into tears. No one, no one was hurt except her eyebrows and eyelashes. They fell out. Scarlet had a tragedy, but I was laughing. Tony reassured me and said they'd grow back soon. Angry Scarlet pinned me against the wall and yelled that it was my fault. She knew I couldn't lie, that I'd start pulling my hair out right away. And I said, no, it wasn't us. You mixed up the liquid. For the first time in my life, I lied and just smiled. Scarlet frowned, but left me alone and went to the bathroom. Tony and I went outside, and I hugged him. How did you come up with that? I never would have thought chewing gum could help. It helped me. I was sure it'd help you too. And that's how I got rid of my horrible habit using gum. Hi, my name is Amber. I'm pretty young, but I've already become one of the best chefs all over America. 
after participating in the America's Best Cook Kids contest. I have a peculiarity which helped me succeed, and now I'll tell you about it. I should start by saying that I've been fond of cooking since childhood. I had a large toy kitchen instead of dolls, and I constantly imagined that I was a chef. I could also sit with my mother in the kitchen and watch her cook various dishes for hours. When I got a little older, my mother let me help her cook, and even then the whole family was amazed at my abilities. As a child, I knew how to cook various salads and bake cookies. However, there was a serious problem. I got used to tasty and unhealthy food when I was a kid. That's why I got gastritis at a very young age. But that didn't stop me. And my efforts paid off. I won the Battle of the Cooks Kids vs. Adults contest. My parents and friends were proud of me, which was my best reward. After that victory, I began to prepare for the America's Best Cook Kids contest. I cooked a lot and tested new recipes. But soon an ordeal occurred in my way. Once I gave a master class in one of the restaurants in my city. There were a lot of people, and everyone watched my actions enthusiastically. I tasted everything I cooked, like any cook, and suddenly a sharp and unbearable pain pierced my stomach. I tried to keep on cooking as if nothing had happened, thinking that my gastritis exacerbated, but I failed. The pain in my stomach became so severe that I couldn't do anything. I had to cancel the master class I started and call an ambulance. I thought that my gastritis exacerbated, but in the hospital I was diagnosed with an ulcer. Pills and a special diet were prescribed to me. After that, they sent me home. Of course, I tried to keep the diet, but at the same time, I kept in mind the upcoming important contest. I got the theme of Mexican cuisine, so I couldn't do without spicy food, which was forbidden for me. Every day, I suffered from terrible stomach pains, but I still kept on preparing for the contest. I knew that if I got into the top three, I could provide myself with an excellent career in the future and become a chef of an awesome restaurant. This thought was the main motivation for me, and I was determined to achieve my goal. However, soon I had to shatter all my dreams with my own hands. It happened when I nearly fainted from a stomach ache. I tried to remain standing, but I dropped the saucepan on the floor and severely burned my hand as well. Then I realized that health is more important to me than winning the contest. I was taken to the hospital at once, and the doctors found out that my stomach was badly damaged. My attending physician said that I should keep a strict diet and take meds, and a month later I should attend her again. A whole month without a kitchen and delicious food was a real torture for me. My parents supported me in every possible way, but still I was in a very bad mood. I just couldn't believe that I developed acute gastritis at such a young age. The pain became worse every day. The meds didn't help me anymore. They only dulled the pain for a short time. A month later, I attended my doctor again. She didn't understand what was the matter and decided to prescribe me stronger pills. But her colleague insisted that I do some tests. It turned out that he saved my life. The test showed that I had stomach cancer. I was really shocked hearing this news, but that was not the worst part. My stomach had to be removed to prevent the disease from worsening. 
Believe it or not, after hearing this, the first thing I thought about was a career as a cook. No life trial scared me as much as a broken dream. I was told that with the stomach removed, I would have to keep a strict diet and refuse normal food. At that moment, I fell into a severe depression because my hopes were dashed. Despite the shock and depressed mood, my parents tried to cheer me up in every possible way, but I could hardly hear them. I gave up in despair, and even the surgery to remove the stomach didn't trigger any emotions in me. After that, my life turned into a series of prohibitions. The cereal diet was a real challenge. Delicious food was not just food, it was a work of art for me. Now I ate only a shapeless mass that didn't even have a taste. I also had to lie in bed almost all the time so that the numerous sutures would hold. My whole body ached because of this. Several agonizing months later, I could walk again. But this brought me even more suffering. Walking through the city, I smelled the enticing food. And this made me extremely angry and envious. I thought this hell would never end for me. I wanted to live a full life without any prohibitions. I was sick at heart all the time because of constant restrictions, and I no longer hoped that my life would become even a little better. But one day everything changed, because one person helped me to believe in myself again. Oddly enough, it turned out to be Mrs. Archibald, my attending physician. She saw that I was very worried about the removed stomach and my dream of becoming a chef. Mrs. Archibald said that she understood me, since once she had faced the same problem. It turned out that she had had her stomach removed as well, and she really missed normal food, like me. Then she confessed to me that she would give up a lot for the sake of normal food, especially for people like us. Her words inspired me, and for the next several days I surfed the internet in search of information about diets. I really wanted to come up with an individual menu for people without a stomach. I found out a lot of interesting things. People with a stomach removed posted on forums that they could afford a steak or fish salad. The main thing was to cook them correctly. Then I had a goal that I wouldn't even let myself fall asleep at night. Recalling my rich experience in cooking, I began to compose a new dietary menu, which would have no equal. In order to achieve a new goal, I had to cook and taste a lot of my dishes. That's why I often had severe stomach pains. My parents wanted to stop me, but I was still able to persuade them to change their mind. When I was happy with my dish, I gave it to Mrs. Archibald, who agreed to help me. She said whether a certain dish was good for people without stomachs or not. So, it took me six months to compose a full menu with a wide variety of dishes. The only thing I had to do was show it to the people who kept a strict diet due to the removed stomach. I tried to do this through a special culinary forum, but it was of little use. Then I recalled the America's Best Cook Kids Contest, in which I couldn't participate a year ago. It was about to be held soon, but I still had time to sign up for it. However, there was a big problem. I got Mexican food again, and I couldn't skew the program. I was caught in a bind because I couldn't use the main ingredients due to my health. Despair overwhelmed me right away. But suddenly, my parents offered to contact the organizers of the contest and present my menu to them. I explained to the organizers my difficult situation and the impossibility of cooking Mexican dishes. They replied that they would make a decision later. 
There was very little time left before the contest. Days passed by, but there was no answer from them. I didn't sleep at nights and lost my appetite because of this. This took a heavy toll on my health as I started to have severe stomach pains again. Mrs. Archibald said that I must calm down. Otherwise, I wouldn't be able to go to the contest due to possible complications. So I had to work up the nerve. When they finally answered a few days later, I couldn't help crying. The organizers agreed, saying that they were very interested in my new unique menu. After the competition, I used all my skill and effort to surprise the jury, and my hopes were fulfilled. The jury really liked my menu, as they had never tasted anything like that. But I didn't win. I was second. But it didn't upset me at all. The main thing is that my menu will help people keeping a strict diet enjoy delicious food. Have you had to fight for your dream? Share this podcast to all social media, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook and so on and you'll be given a shout out. Also drop your social media username so that we can find you. Thanks for your support. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel by clicking the link in this episode description. You should also please follow or subscribe to our other podcast My Animated Story by clicking on this episode description. And also, kindly please rate and review this podcast by... I was so nervous, like the most nervous I'd ever been in my life. I didn't even know it was possible for a press conference to get so crowded. Suddenly the flashes came at me from every direction. It was almost blinding, but the clicking didn't stop, as well as the sound of them calling my name. Hazel, look here! Here, over here, Hazel! Oh my gosh, why was this so chaotic? I started to panic, so I ran away, but I'd only taken a few steps before thump! Oh, these stupid high heels. Oh, hi. I didn't see you there. Well, let's be real. It's kind of hard to see anyone from this angle. Then from every direction, the reporters swarmed in like starving vultures trying to take pictures of me. I was still confused and didn't know what to do when... Gentlemen, please give her some space. Are you okay? Robert, my adoptive dad, came to help me up. Um, excuse us, this is her first time attending such a crowded event. If it's all right with you, we'll help her answer your questions. Phew, I'd finally escaped the chaos. Or so I thought. As soon as he got into the house, Robert shouted, Pamela! Which gave me the fright of my life. Didn't I tell you to teach Hazel some manners? How could you let her embarrass herself in front of the public like that? Pamela looked mortified and kept bowing down and apologizing, but Robert was still furious. If this happens again, you better pack your bags and get out of here. I felt so guilty. It was all because of me that she had been shouted out like that. But I'd done my best. Clearly, it wasn't good enough, though. I tried to forget about it, but early the next morning, Pamela woke me up. She gave me a timetable and told me that from now on, I wouldn't need to go to school anymore and that a tutor would come to teach me at home instead. What? Why all of a sudden? I asked Pamela in shock. It was because of yesterday's incident. The mayor has decided that you need to spend more time learning the necessary etiquette. Are you serious? He can't just keep me locked up here. No way. Hazel? Listen, you should be grateful that you got adopted into this house. Keep in mind of everything Mr. Cornelius has done for you, and obediently do as I say. Do you understand what I mean? 
Looking into Pamela's eyes, I knew I had no choice but to agree. <sighs> the day of the opening ceremony for the town hall had finally arrived, and I got to leave the house for the first time in a month. A whole month. Now was the moment of truth. In the eyes of the public, I had completely transformed into a proper, prestigious lady. When Robert started speaking at the ceremony, he announced a charity fundraiser for my orphanage in the hopes that children like me would be given a chance to live a better life. Hearing this speech, I could barely hold back my tears. I was sitting next to my adoptive mom, Eleanor, so I turned to give her a big hug. Suddenly, all eyes were on me, and it seemed I'd finally done something right. I smiled up at Robert, and we both had tears in our eyes. Maybe Pamela was right. I really was lucky to have been adopted by such kind people. But as soon as we got home, things changed. My parents got all quiet and went off to their room, leaving me alone. Where was my praise? I'd done so well, hadn't I? Why weren't they happy? The following days, they still asked me to join them for their events, so I guess I must have done a good job. And while the media and public were around, they were all touchy-feely and affectionate towards me, constantly praising me. We must have looked like the perfect family. But the minute we got home, they'd ignore me, and if they wanted to tell me something, they'd get Pamela to speak to me. It was so flipping weird. I actually started to feel quite lonely and depressed. And even though I was living in the lap of luxury, I missed the orphanage. One day, Pamela's daughter, aka the only friend I had in this enormous mansion, Paisley saw how upset I was and asked, Hey, so why do you agree to move into this house? You're clearly unhappy here. Paisley got me. She was the same age as me, so we were on the same wavelength. I was nervous to tell her how I felt, but I knew she would understand, so I told her everything. The thing is, I actually have a sister. She's only eight, and she's called Amber. That's why I was missing the orphanage. She was still there. She's got congenital heart disease, so after our parents passed away, the orphanage couldn't afford her hospital bills. When the mayor's family decided to adopt me, I refused because I didn't want to leave Amber alone. But then Robert offered to pay for her medical treatments if I agreed. And well, the rest is history. You see, I can't just leave. If I did, what would happen to Amber? Oh, Hazel, I didn't know. I'm so sorry. But I need to be honest with you. One time I overheard Robert and Eleanor saying that you were the perfect girl to play this role. Huh? What role? That meant, were they using me for something? It didn't make any sense. But those words kept lingering on my mind until... One time, Eleanor asked me to join her at a charity event, which she said was going to be broadcast on TV. Our job was to prepare homemade food and give it out to the homeless. I was so excited, but when I walked into our kitchen, I discovered the chefs had already cooked everything before the filming crew arrived. I was so disappointed and asked Eleanor about it. She just laughed and said, Oh! No, sweetie, our job is just to look pretty and graceful in front of the camera. Then before distributing the food, she gave me a pair of gloves and said, Don't touch any of their hands, okay? They are filthy. Oh my gosh, how could she say such things? Oh, then it hit me. I understood what Paisley had said now. The affection and kindness that the Corneliuses were showing me was actually just for show all to win over the audience, a.k.a. the public, while this was their very true face. I had to do something about this. I couldn't let them keep on deceiving the public like this. So when Eleanor went to the bathroom and took off her gloves, I quickly grabbed them and threw them in the trash. When we went back out, a homeless man approached her to express his gratitude and asked for a handshake. Of course, she tried to refuse, 
but at that moment the camera turned to her, so she had no choice but to give in. And you know what? The man didn't just shake her hand. He even pulled Eleanor in for a big hug. I couldn't hold back my laughter at how flustered she looked. Served her right. Afterward, Eleanor grabbed my arm and dragged me to a quiet corner. Then she said, It was you who did this, wasn't it? I pretended to have no idea what she was talking about, and this just infuriated her even more. Then later that evening when we got home, Robert was already waiting and shouted at me. What do you think you're playing at? I was confused, but then Eleanor added, Don't you ever mess with me like that again. Now listen closely. Don't you miss your little sis? Aren't you curious if she's doing okay or not? That's right. You better have behaved yourself from now on, young lady. I was so shaken by what they'd said. I didn't even want to leave my room. What if something happened to my sister? Then suddenly, Paisley climbed through my window into my room. As soon as I saw her, I burst into tears. Paisley, please help me with this. I need you to go to my orphanage and check on Amber and see if she's okay. A few hours later, Paisley came back panting. Your sister? She's not doing good. What? But... Hadn't she been receiving money for her monthly treatments? Paisley shook her head. The nuns there said they hadn't received a penny since you left. Now Amber is barely surviving. Paisley's words broke my heart. Those two had been fooling me all this time, and now my sister's life was hanging on by a thread. I had to get to the bottom of this. I walked past Robert's office, and that's when I overheard someone talking. Curious, I peeked in and saw a group of middle-aged men sitting around a table. One of them spoke up. Hey, Robert, the election day is coming. Is that little girl still doing a decent job? Oh, don't worry about her. She's just a silly little kid. She believes anything I tell her, especially about her sick sister, Robert smirked. How dare he speak about my sister like that? I had to do something. I couldn't let this vicious man keep on fooling everyone like he'd done to me. So I took out my phone and started filming. Speaking of which... How much charity money have we got so far? One hundred thousand dollars, Robert said, and the room was filled with praise. Gentlemen, by the time of the closing party for the charity this weekend, we should have almost five hundred thousand dollars for the election campaign. As soon as I win, your business will continue to be tax reduced for the next four years. I had to cover my mouth to stop myself from gasping. So this whole time, he'd been exploiting me and the orphanage for his corruption? Gosh, I was such an idiot to fall right into his trap. Suddenly, my phone buzzed. Who's there? Robert shouted and rushed to the door. Oh no. Panicked, I ran, but not far enough before I tripped and the phone flew out of my hand. Robert and his men caught up with me, picked up my phone, and deleted all my evidence. They even took the phone away from me. He turned to me and said, I've already warned you, have I not? You're a liar, I yelled. You haven't paid a penny to my sister, Robert growled. Who told you that? But all he had for an answer was my silence and fuming look. Furious, he dragged me back to my room. Maid, bring me the keys to her room. And then he locked me up inside until the day of the closing party of the charity rolled around, where they'd be announcing the amount of money they'd collected. That day, all the staff were out of the mansion. Suddenly, I heard the door being unlocked. Panicked, I hid behind the closet. Hazel, where are you? Oh, it was just Paisley. Ugh. She found a way to sneak me out of the mansion and told me to run straight back to the orphanage. 
But no, first I had to expose that sly old fox, Robert. Luckily, when I got to the event, Robert was giving his speech. I immediately ran up to the stage, snatched the mic, and told everyone about his evil plan. But I was no match for him. Before I could finish, security was dragging me off the stage, and Robert had already taken control of the situation. Ladies and gentlemen, I am so sorry for my daughter's behavior. She's... The reason why we decided to adopt her was that she's mentally ill. Since she came to our home, she has become better, but as you can see, there's been a bit of a relapse. What a snake! This jerk would stop at nothing to get what he wanted. Just then, the big screen on stage suddenly showed the video I'd taken, revealing all the schemes of Robert and his accomplices. Now he was well and truly exposed. I watched as he stammered. No, this can't be happening. Right at that moment, the police rushed in to arrest Robert and his accomplices in the stands. You might be wondering how we pulled that off. Well, as I was running through the hallway, I managed to send the video to Paisley. As soon as she received it, she came to find me and saw everything that had happened. So she secretly ran to her mom for help. Pamela then made a plan. While Paisley freed me from the mansion, Pamela set to work on projecting the video on the big screen. Genius, right? A month later, Robert and his accomplices were arrested for embezzlement. And, of course, he got locked up for a long, long time. Both him and Eleanor received such massive backlash from the public, to the point that she had to stay hidden away too. The charity money, luckily, was brought back to the orphanage, and part of it was used to take care of my sister Amber. She's doing much better now. Oh, and Paisley and I are still best of friends. Pamela has found a way better job. And as for me, I went back to stay at the orphanage until I'm old enough to move out. I'm better off being on my own with my sister than being adopted by some messed up family again. Finally, after an 11-hour flight, I arrived at LAX. Los Angeles International Airport. It's awesome! I can't wait to see my mom. You see, my dad's French and my mom's American. We used to all live together in France, but then they split up and mom moved back here. Of course, I've talked to her on FaceTime and stuff, but this will be the first time I've properly seen her in five years. I haven't visited before because mom's a super successful businesswoman and she works really hard. That meant she wouldn't have the time to provide me with the attention I needed. But now that I'm 16 and I can look after myself, I'm finally able to visit. So thanks to my dad and stepmom for my plane ticket birthday present, I'm now in sunny LA for a whole month. Not only do I get to spend time with mom, but I also get to chill out in her enormous villa. Ah, <sighs> bliss. But first, let's get all my luggage, then find a taxi to my mom's. Yeah, unfortunately, she couldn't come to pick me up since she had some work to do. But no problem, I can handle this myself. Okay, maybe I spoke too soon. It's been half an hour and my luggage was nowhere to be seen. Then, this handsome guy approached me and said, Hey, looks like your luggage has gone AWOL. Do you need any help? Cute and helpful. Hmm, I could totally get used to US guys. I showed him my ticket. And turns out, I was waiting at the wrong carousel. Oops. After guiding me to the correct one, this guy, 
whose name I found out was Zack, even pulled my luggage down for me. But one of my cases got stuck and burst open, causing everything to tumble out. Girl, it's not your lucky day, is it? He burst out laughing. Oh well, at least it wasn't all bad. I mean, a cute guy had rescued me, right? He helped me pick up my things, then he offered to drive me to my mom's house. After some 30 minutes, he began to slow down. I looked out the window and, oh my god, this is the chicest villa ever. The pool, the tennis court, the palm trees. It was exactly like a movie star home. I was gawping at the villa when suddenly I heard a car engine sound. Startled, I turned around to see Zack zooming away. My suitcases! I yelled. Ugh, my laptop and iPad were in there too. Oh God, why is this happening to me? And on my very first day in the US? At least I still had my phone and passport with me. Phew. So I called my mom. Needless to say, I was a distraught mess when she arrived. Who'd have thought that such a kind-looking guy would turn out to be a thief? Anyways, my mom could buy me new clothes and things, and I could still have an amazing time in her villa, right? Mom led me to my room and told me to get some rest. After that disaster, I was dead exhausted, so I quickly fell asleep on the comfiest bed ever. When I awoke, it was dark outside. I realized I hadn't eaten anything since the flight, so I went downstairs and checked the fridge and cupboards. Huh? They were all empty. I was still digging around in the kitchen when my mom returned with some burgers. Sweetie, I only got back from my business trip yesterday, so I haven't had time to go to the grocery store. Let's just eat fast food today, okay? I didn't mind, as it was awesome to have dinner with my mom again after such a long time. I took a look around the room. There was barely any furniture here. My mom said that's minimalism. A trendy lifestyle in LA nowadays. Less is more. How cool is that? The next morning we went out, but what's with that old rusty car? Seeing my confused look, she quickly explained that this was only temporary as her car was being serviced. But then mom couldn't get the garage door to open. Turns out, normally she had her own chauffeur. But since I've traveled thousands of miles to visit her, she wanted to drive herself. Huh? How sweet. In the following days, my mom and I enjoyed ourselves in LA. Sunbathing by the pool, spa days, shopping. This is definitely the best vacation of my life. At least until that morning, I was awoken by a loud quarrel. Looking down from the stairs, I saw mom in the living room with a strange woman. She was pointing at the couch. Geez, that's where I spilled soy sauce yesterday while eating sushi. Then mom appeared and sounded flustered. She told me to quickly pack my things as we were leaving. Um, mom, is there something wrong? Oh, nothing, sweetie. It's just that the couch is dirty, so let's just get someone in to clean the entire villa. Wow, mom would deep clean the whole house just because of a soy sauce stain? How rich is she? So, where will we stay this time? A luxurious five-star hotel? Or a magnificent mansion in Beverly Hills? <sighs> but then the car came to a stop in front of some shabby apartment building. Huh? This couldn't be right. Mom told me this was her friend's spare apartment, so we would stay here a few days for convenience. 
Elena, it's probably best if you stay away from the people in this area. They don't have the same lifestyle as us. You know what I mean. Ugh. Yeah, this place was the opposite of the villa. Cramped room, hard bed, and the bathroom didn't even have a bathtub. Since moving here, Mom didn't take me out anymore. In the evenings, she dressed up all elegantly and went out to her fancy work meetings. On one such evening, I was sitting alone watching YouTube, munching on french fries for the fifth time this week, when there was a knock on the door. I opened it, and standing there was a scruffy guy, claiming to be Frankie, the landlord's son. I told him there must be a mistake, as we were only here for a few days. Then I went to close the door, but he blocked it with his foot. Miss Anita has rented this apartment for two years. What do you mean a few days? I just saw her take a cab at the front door. Don't lie to me. No, my mom is a successful businesswoman who has a villa in Brentwood Park. Then you must have mistaken your mom for someone else. In short, remind your businesswoman mom to pay the rent. Then he sneered and walked away. How dare he say that? And why did I keep on running into jerks? Ugh! When mom returned, I told her what had happened. I thought she'd find it funny or something, but nope. Instead, she got really mad. You shouldn't have opened the door to him. I told you not to socialize with the people here. Okay, hearing made-up lies about yourself like that must suck, but did she have to be so furious about it? The next morning, I was drinking tea on the balcony when suddenly I saw a familiar face passing by down the street. My god, it was the jerk from the airport. Zack! That thief! I shouted, rushing down, but when I got there, he disappeared. I was still exasperated when a voice came from behind. What on earth are you doing screaming this early in the morning? I turned around to see Frankie leaning against the wall with his arms folded. None of your business, swindler. Huh? Swindler? What do you mean? Quit lying. I already told my mom all about you trying to con money out of me. Hmm, is that so? So, you think I'm the liar? Before I could answer that provoking question, I heard my mom's voice calling down from the balcony. Hey, rich girl, if you want a reality check, I suggest you come meet me tonight, and we'll go follow your mom. Mom appeared and, frowning, asked me why I was talking to Frankie. I blurted out something about asking for directions, then quickly entered the room and closed the door. Frankie was clearly a thieving, lying jerk, right? But then, why were his words lingering in my mind? I had noticed a few strange things, such as when we were at the villa, I asked Mom where the cutlery was, but she couldn't remember. But then in this apartment, she immediately got it. Plus, why was there a photo of her in the bedroom when this was her friend's place? That night, when Mom was getting ready to go out again, I spotted her necklace. Only, it was actually my necklace. The one that had been stolen along with the rest of my stuff. My dad got that necklace custom-made just for me, so it was a one-of-a-kind, but why did Mom have it? I complimented her on it and asked her where she'd got it from, Blushing, she excitedly told me that this rich man she'd just started dating had bought it for her. Then she said he was taking her for dinner tonight. I forced a smile, but my head was filled with questions. Who really was... Mom? 
I secretly followed my mom down the street. Suddenly, a hand patted my shoulder. Let's go. I turned around and it was Frankie. Without saying anything, I nodded and quickly got into his car. And we followed mom's taxi. Hold on. Isn't that the villa we stayed in before? After a while, a luxury car arrived, taking my mom to a nearby expensive restaurant. We peered through the glass wall. There she was. My mom was sitting there, smiling and talking with some man in a suit. Was she pretending to live in that villa to trick that man? Was my mom a gold digger? I couldn't watch any more of this, so I pulled on Frankie's arm. But weirdly, he seemed to be as shocked as I was. Um, wasn't this your idea? So why the pale face? He just shook his head and took me home. We waited in the apartment for Mum to return, and oh boy, it was tense. Around midnight, we heard the door open, and Mum walked in and looked at us in alarm. She started shooing Frankie out of there, but I interrupted her. Mum, I know everything. You've lived here for two years. You're poor, and you scam rich men. Sweetie, it's not like that. Please calm down and I'll explain everything to you. So, it turns out, after divorcing my dad, she was determined to go back to the U.S. and succeed at business. But she failed, and she was so embarrassed, she lied to me and dad. Then when she heard that I was coming to visit, she spent the little savings she had on renting a swanky villa for me. But when I accidentally spilled soy sauce on that expensive couch, she couldn't afford to fix it. So we were kicked out. As for the man I was with tonight, I ran into him while walking outside the villa. He's rich and nice. He likes me and I like him too. But what about that necklace? Mom, it's actually mine. It was in my stolen suitcase. My mom gave me a confused look. But before she could say anything, Frankie blurted out, That man's a fraud. Mom and I gaped at Frankie as he turned to me and said, I'm sorry, but I think you guys need to know the truth. Then Frankie told us how that man was none other than Zack's dad. After taking me back to the villa, Zack figured my mom was rich, so he persuaded his dad to come and flirt with her. But how did you dig up the dirt on these guys? Because I know Zack. When I saw Lana chasing him, I knew he'd stolen from her. But he's my friend. Great! So you've both been lying to me! Then I rushed into my room, locked the door, and burst into tears. The next morning, Mom knocked on my door, but I ignored her. Lana, I get that you're upset with me, but I've left a sandwich here, so please at least eat something. I'm really sorry. Just wanted to be the perfect mother for you. Her words caused me to sob all over again. But I can say, from the bottom of my heart, I feel sorry for her. After that, I opened the door and hugged her tightly, and then we both blubbered into each other's arms. I'm leaving LA today, with Mum. She's moving back to France with me, where she can start afresh. While I was dragging my suitcase to the taxi, Frankie appeared and apologized to me. I just shrugged and told him it didn't matter anymore. I mean, at least he came clean in the end and saved my mom from that swindler. Hey, rich girl, good luck. And, um, feel free to keep in touch. So, what now? Well, 
Mum is settling back into French life. She has a new job and a chic apartment. I go and stay with her each weekend, and it's good to finally spend time with the real her. As for Frankie, well, we send each other lots of Snapchats. So, okay, maybe I kind of like him. I'm planning to visit him in the summer. Hopefully my next trip to the U.S. won't be as crazy as my last one. <laughs> Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.